Hi, I'm Carl Griggs from CPC Finance, and today I'm joined by Gavin Seahome from Shawbrook Bank. Hi, I'm Gavin Seahome from Shawbrook Bank. I work in the real estate division. Um, today I'm here with Carl to discuss all property opportunities for professional landlords and investors. So in a quick, um, which I think is poignant, have you found the last 12 months? Yeah, it's been challenging, right? Um, just when you think things are going to calm down, um, trust economics kicks in and then kind of creates a lot of turmoil in the markets with swap rates moving and withdrawal of products, which kind of in its own right created a bit of a, a sort of rush to get products in and applications in from clients, making sure they could lock in those rates that were sort of a lot keener than they are now. Um, something we're proud of that we've done at Shawbrook on the pipeline. Yeah, look, look, service has been an issue, um, but the one thing I will back you on is that anybody to put an application in, you've honoured the rate, even today. Based on three, four months ago, it's still fantastic rates they're getting. I have it in a way, but they get there in the end. Yeah, it was. Um, it was a tough decision. You had products where we're, we're, we're fortunate with our funding that we're able to lock in them rates uh, in the process, as you're aware, yeah. working as a, one of our strategic partners. And by honouring the rates, we actually we, we didn't pull any of that pipeline. That created some service challenges um, that we've experienced. We, um, we, we apologise for the, the, the service that we went through. We're through that now. We're coming through the other side. However, what we're seeing is the fact that we managed to complete these cases for your clients on rates that aren't available now. And we're proud of that fact that we stuck to them rates and honoured them rates. So putting a line in the sand on that, where do you see things going? So we're kind of looking at the market now. Base rate is not going to be as scary as things as they first forecast. Inflation seems to be sort of moving in the right direction as well. Swap rates have moved up a little bit again in the last week or two, mm -hmm. um, reflecting inflation. So we expect probably another base rate rise, um, and then we'll probably see a bit of a softening. I don't think it will go as high as everyone thought it would be. So that's the kind of wider outlook. From a selfish point of view, for sure, but we have a lot coming down the track now. We're looking at um, reinvigorating our product range to support the professional investors that we see fit that are really going to come through this period for the transition yeah, in the look, market. I think what's happened in the last six to eight months has, in a, if you sum it up, it's got rid of the part-time landlords. Um, there's no money in buy-to-lets. Um, you know, even if you do want to buy one, you've got to be looking 35, 40% deposit. Um, and for the return on the money, it's not worth it. So even if you're remortgaging, it's going to be pound for pound because the stress levels aren't going to reach up. So there's, you know, that's sort of uh, tightened up and that's one market. You, what you're looking at is multi-income properties on the term. That's, what it, that's how it comes across. Just, what... Yeah, so we, we, we've always looked at ourselves as a more specialist complex lender. Mm -hmm. Now, looking at the clients uh, that we work with closely with you, that fits that model really well. Mm -hmm. um, I agree, the sort of dinner party landlord, on one of them myself, probably now the time is probably put the money into a savings account, for example, you get a good return yeah. there. Um, however, I do think there's opportunity. There's going to be a big opportunity in the refinance market. You're right, you won't be able to leverage as high on mm -hmm. probably the lower yielding assets. However, the investor profile that we see, we have our digital product that sits very well in that, in that market, 
and works well on the sort of AVM model, as you're well aware, um, and we can get to offer very quickly. We find ourselves in that middle trance of that sort of complex where we would always deem like commercial valuation, for example. Yeah. We'll, Get a commercial yeah. valuation, looking at large portfolios and looking at the more complex um, cases where people have got high yielding properties and then they'll be able to, like you point out, leverage to the, to the debt what, they require. What, what you are finding though, um, just touching on the buy to let market to clear that up, is a more blatant north-south divide because there's still money up north north as in cash flow whereas down south there will be no cash flow on a buy to let yeah uh, but a lot of lenders um including yourselves i don't mean it in a bad way are aren't looking for the smaller value properties unless it's um a portfolio where you get above certain levels yeah, I think it depends on the strategy of the investor. I think what we pointed out earlier around the leverage part, if they want to leverage and create cash flow, then obviously that's a yield-based play, yeah. especially on single AST, and that will take you into, into different areas of the UK. If you're looking at more of an asset-based play for a longer-term strategy where you can build an appreciation in an asset, you'll probably continue to trade sort of more in the south. You know, Bristol, Wales have still got good return in, but also good appreciation. Um, but it comes back to, again, the strategy, but also what you want from that asset and how much you can leverage, right? Because I think the, the machine of leverage 75%, refinance, leverage 75 I think that's going to have it's to change. It's a new business model now. Yeah, correct. It might be 65%. It might be 75% if there's a, a multitude of properties or a fantastic income by the number of rooms. That's the only way it's going to be reached. So looking at that, I've said for many, many years about one of your products, which is the short term to term. So if you want to explain that in a little bit more detail and, and the advantages of having it um, and why to use it. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's a product we're really proud of. Um, it works very well. It's something we're focusing on this year to make quicker, slicker and better, supported by digital transformation that we're going through, as you're well aware, you've been party to that. Mm -hmm. And I think for us on the uh, sort of bridge to let part for us is one, it's the pro client profile. We yep. understand that client profile, they understand us. Secondly, it's about trying to maximise the leverage on the new asset value. So working off that commercial investment value, which we think is key. And we can do that by SuGen, large HMOs, depending on what planning they've had, um, licensing, etc. But if main, main core is if we can get that commercial valuation to work against that criteria, we allow the client to leverage, get the cash out of that project, still high yielding as well, and then mm -hmm. be able to move on to the next project think, that we can support, right? I think one of the advantages of it is that it's all under one roof. Yeah. And I can't think of anybody that's got a smoother process in switching it over. It can still be improved. I will get that in. Um, <laughs> but also, the, the, the other magical thing that it is it's done on the commercial valuation day one. So you, you get the advantage of, you don't go to one bridger for the bridge, get a vow done there, just confirming what the value is, and then get another valuation, commercial valuation, when you go to a different lender for the term, plus you're paying two lots of fees on top of it, and you're hoping that the vowel figures come in the same. Uh, you use the Red Book Valuation Day One, which is pretty unique in what, what, what goes on because you stick by it at the back end as well. Well, that's the client model, right? What do you want? You want surety. Mm -hmm. And as a, as a lender, you want surety of an exit of a bridge anyway. 
as a broker, you would make sure of that. Mm -hmm. And actually, if we can do it all in one roof, then we've got the comfort for a client to know day one that actually, if you do what you say on the tin, we will exit you at the leverage you require, making sure you can move on to your next project that selfishly we would want to continue that relationship and support and move through and grow that, that business. And I think the other thing to touch on is obviously you've got your in-house solicitors. Yeah. So the switch over is even smoother without involving another, another cost and another person in that journey, which can affect it. Yeah, we're pr I think when you look at the whole journey, we're very proud of how it works. Could we do things better? Yeah. Um, could we make the service quicker? Yes. And there's things we're moving on. But actually, from a, if, from a customer's perspective, the journey is very succinct. And as you know, because you work closely with that, that uh, sort of cradle to grave part, yeah. once we've done that project, we want more. We want to continue and build in and then to continue to grow that relationship so yeah. we can keep a, a, a lot of retention. A lot of um, the clients that we do with you are repeat clients because you know their model, they know you, and it's easy for them to do what they're good at, uh, which is what I sort of say to them. You leave the finance to us, you leave the legal work to your solicitors, you go out and do what you're good at. Find a property, tell us what you're doing to it, and get on with it. Um, on, on top of which, you, you've got, I say, a smooth process with no other parties involved. Um, the only time it's different, which is, quite understandable as if they go outside their normal model. Then it's re-looked at by you. If you know, Someone does a six-bed HMO and comes to us and wants to do 24-bedroom HMO, it's slightly different. They might not think it is, but it is. So um, at that stage, you build a portfolio with you based on the same business model. It's easy. Yeah, it's about um, client profile. Um, it's not just asset lending. Mm -hmm. So if you get the right client profile, I call it either strategy or my buzzword at the moment is, is their MO. What's their MO, right? What's their modus operandi? Can we get in front of them? Can we understand it? Can we discuss to them what it is today, what it is in the medium term, but also for long-term support? What can we do for them to continue that relationship? And like you say, if they stick to exactly the plan that we've agreed, now granted, there will be opportunity, but being part of the team that works with a relationship part with yourself and your customers, it's understanding that if they do want to move into different avenues, it's not a case of you can't, it's about understanding how they're gonna do it and how we can support them. One of the um, hot topics at the moment that is is affecting, or not, I say affecting, but in, involved in the journey more now is proof of deposit, who's funding a deposit, i.e. investor loans, what's the bank's view on all of that? Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a good point to raise and I think it's making sure clients are aware that banks and, and lenders just need to understand where the funds are being sourced from, right? Mm -hmm. um, understanding your customer, understanding where that source of funds works and we, we, we're very clear on how sort of JV investments work because we understand that's the model and there's a lot of private money that supports these projects and it moves around. So it's not something that we're uncommon with. I think the main point for us at the moment is just making sure there's a clear journey of where we can trace them funds through. And I think paper trail. Yeah, and I think you you know you work very closely with us. You know what we want for your clients, and it's making sure that clients understand that. And it's also day one. If the money is going to come from savings, then please make it come from savings. Um, and then when we get further down the line and it, it, it comes changes. into a, a, an intercompany loan or a JV partnership, that's fine. We we get contracts. But it's just making sure that we continue to understand where that where the, where the funds is. Is there um, a minimum cash element you're looking for from, from an investor? 
i.e. The, the client that's actually borrowing the money. Because some of them try, not try, but some of them use investor loans as the whole deposit. Yeah, I think you need to understand how much, what kind of the, the phrase is, how much skin in the game is for, yep. the, for the investor, right, day one. Now, what you might find is that actually, if you go back five projects, their initial investment was in there and they've managed to regurgitate that investment over time. And we understand that and we get to know that. Um, and then actually, if, if you're looking at borrowing for a, for a JV or another investor and they're, they're sourcing it and if they're part of it, well, that's a contract between that investor. But we would like to see commitment, as you mm -hmm. well know. Um, but we also understand that this, this commitment can't always be shown from day one on that project, but you could, could have seen it previously. Uh, and putting the, aside the term business, because that's pretty standard, where, where do you see or is there any plans to expand your short-term lending? Yeah, so we've been very um, aggressive on resourcing expert bridge and underwriters um, to really complement the teams we've had previously, but to really grow out with that sort of keen expert eye and then look at what we can do to where the gaps are mm -hmm. in our um, products, right? Um, we haven't got everything in our kit bag. We want more, working um, to, uh, with a relationship part of yourselves. We always want more products to grow and help support as the market changes and evolves, your products need to change and evolve. You can't kind of stand still. So we would definitely want to be looking in the short-term space to, to build out, that out further. Um, we've got our lending for cost products, as you well know, and then we want to maybe move into heavy refurb. Maybe there's areas we can do there to support investors. Funding for costs, maybe it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of uh, ideas flying around and on the drawing board at the moment. Okay. And so, so moving forward then the next six to eight months, where do you see the market going? It's going to be interesting. I think for the professional investor, there's a good chance to refinance, raise some capital, look at the, look at the softening in prices. I don't think they're going to soften as much as everyone thought they would, but there'll be some good opportunities for people who might be disposing of older stock, mm -hmm. tired stock, non-performing stock, um, and that's where the smart investor will probably look to capitalise on that market if they've got a good war chest together and make sure that they can uh, move quickly. Um, I think one of the where other... Where do you see it going? <laughs> well, it depends on the lenders. <laughs> um, I, I haven't seen recently, and although I am asked quite often, I haven't seen a knock-on effect in values of properties. It, in fact, I've seen them quite steady and in some cases still increasing, So, which is a good sign. Um, if there's... A, other rate increases, who knows? But there's certainly not been the knock-on effect I thought there would be on, on the valuations. What is having the knock-on effect is the amount of deposit that's needed. Yeah. Um, as I say, we, we, we spoke about the different types, if, if, which is another area which I think is being good because people aren't abusing the buy-to-let products now. You know, don't get me wrong, people have for the wrong reasons. A short-term stroke bridge is now the better product because you get the higher loans value. You get the full money out. It's dearer. I fully understand and accept no one wants to do bridging, but then we haven't all got the money to not take bridging. Um, so, so that's a different market again, which I think is clearing it up and will make the, the bridging more of a tool of the trade for all investors. Yeah, I think we've seen it grow over the years, but especially in the last 12, 18 months, I mean, you know, go back a few years, someone would say, I've taken bridging finance, and you'd be, the first question is, well, what was the problem? What was the issue, right? Mm -hmm. Now you've gone full circle now. It's a smart tool for people to leverage, like you've just um, discussed. 
and I think that will only grow and continue, it's about getting out of that bridge, right, and making sure we can leverage <coughs> out of it. And that's where we go back to the bridge select product and yourself as a broker, making sure that you understand the client, understand their journey, and understand what their final sort of outcome is. It, but I do agree with the bridging. It, and it's it, keenly it, priced as well. It, it's not expensive if you do what you say you're going to yeah. do. That's, that's what you're buying into, we're buying into. It's down to them. Um, obviously, if something happens along the road that no one was aware of, you know, a bit like what's happened with the rates since someone took a bridge 12 months ago, they're not going to get the exit they thought they were going to get because whatever their their plans were, it could be affected by the, the, the rental cover because rates have gone up, so the loan advance comes down. That's That was unexpected. But if they take too long to do a project because, as an example, you buy a property today, but you can't get builders in for two months. That's your fault. And that's where I say, as long as you use it properly and fully aware, it's a, it's a great tool and it's a stepping stone to the next stage of the finance. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, there's three key areas to it. You, you said it earlier, making sure solicitors, um, funders are aligned. But I think also from a project on a bridge, you need to make sure that you've got the right timescale, you're choosing the right lender, and you're choosing the right outcome and exit um, because that can vary as well right where you might want to retain you might have to sell and so on so you have to think about different variable options but if you've got a clear line of sight of how you want to do it if you deviate off that plan you probably then will experience delays if you don't like you say, haven't got the builders lined up or there's planning issues or you know um, materials being delayed overrunning costs cost of materials yeah one, so which... making sure you know, there's a bit of fat in the game on the contingency part is always a good, mm -hmm. a good sort of bit of advice. Longer uh, term, initially. Yeah, particularly if there's no exits, please. You know, that, that, that's one. The other thing is, if you're, you should go in with two minds. If you've got the plan to sell, and something like what happened last year happens, what would you then do? So that's where we go back to the original GDV valuation. And what have you seen? investors do are you seeing them hold more now because of that or are you seeing people having to sell because it doesn't work for them we, we we haven't seen that come through yet because since the rates went up people have been buying but i will say the exits have changed uh, a lot more people are buying to sell rather than buying to keep because the amount that be tied up so there has been a shift most people previously particularly if it's a HMO type property, people didn't sell them. Well, some will now. Well, some will have to. That, that's unfortunate, I say, because if you went on a bridge before the rates went up, yeah. you got different, you're expecting a different result. You've got a different cash flow model now. Yeah. yeah. But if, if you're buying at the moment and you're on a sale, you've got a, you're covered off because you know you've got an exit with yourselves as well. So if you don't sell or a sale's taking too long, or again, the market changes, you refinance it and then you keep it. That's what lenders look at, right? Lenders look at both options. So if, if you can't sell, so you obviously rely heavily on the valuation report, also again, what the client's kind of strategy is, but if you can't sell and you're looking to refinance, then you put that option on the table as well. So you would underwrite to that as, yeah. a, as an exit as well. Um, and that's part of the transparency about making sure you can um, work with Shawbrook on, especially on bridging, to, to have that viable exit at the end of it. 
Right. Well, it sounds like you've got some plans, uh, some work to do this year. Yeah, it's busy. There's a lot going on. Um, we haven't been perfect, but we're, we're, we've got a lot coming down the track. Um, we're very proud of our, what we've just launched on our digital products. Um, we'll be looking in a more complex space um, in the not too distant future. And then looking at supporting them kind of larger loan transactions where you have that real sort of professional property investor profile that we want to maintain our relationships with, support, find new relationships and help them grow and then make sure we can uh, maintain and support this specialist market that we work in. I hope it all works out and uh, look forward to receiving the new new products. So thanks for your time. Pleasure. Um, so that's for Gavin from uh, Shawbrook Bank. So please uh, watch out for our social media, um, like, share and subscribe to our new edition with Paul Kane from Ronald Fletcher Baker.